Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, it is so good to have all of you with us at all of our churches today. And uh, for the next two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be having a conversation that I really think affects all of us, whether you are a parent or you're not a parent, because here's the reality. At some point in time, every one of us, we feel the weight and we feel the responsibility of raising or supporting those people who are raising children. Now, here's what we know. Um, raising children, that, that's a difficult thing. That, that's a hard thing. And um, we also understand that when children come into the world, um, there's not this specific script of instructions for how to raise those children. And if you saw the video at the beginning of the uh, this, uh, service today, uh, you're thinking, yeah, we all thought that at some point in time. In fact, uh, years ago, I used to ask, people used to ask me, they're like, why don't you teach more on parenting? We would love to hear more on parenting. And I uh, said, I'm doing this series now because my children are all over 25. And I feel safe enough to do that. Um, but when they were teenagers, there was those seasons where I went two or three years where I'm like, I have nothing to say um, because I don't know if we're going to make it. And what I mean, if I, we were going to make it, I mean, if they were going to make it, you know what I mean? Um, but the reality is parenting is hard and there's just no specific instructions for how to raise them, which is why I think most all of us as parents, our greatest fears as a parent is that somehow that we are going to raise our children and we're going to get it wrong. You ever felt that way? I mean, Melody and I, we felt that way. It's like, wow, man, I just feel like we're getting it more wrong than we're getting it right. I mean, I think our feeling was is that there was going to be things that we would need to teach them. There would be things that we would need to show them that were very important that they would need for their life and that we would miss that. And I think it's why so many times we found ourselves there, and you probably find yourselves there as well, that as our children are growing up, we're, we're kind of subconsciously asking ourselves the question is, am I really giving them everything they need to navigate life? Because sometimes, some days, I don't, I don't know if it was like that when you're home, but with children, but for us... It was like barely survival mode from trying to get them out of the bed, to get them ready for school, to getting them then to whatever activity they were going to be a part of in the afternoon, or then having dinner at night as a family, or going to whatever sporting event that one of them was playing in or something, and then trying to get their homework done, and then getting them in the bed. And by the time you go to bed at night, you're so exhausted, and you feel like the only thing you said to your children were negative things or corrective things, and you're thinking, oh. This is so hard. I'm such a bad parent. And I think because our greatest fear is that we're going to end up being bad parents and we're not going to get it right, there's just this fear that oftentimes just grabs us as parents. And here's the other thing is we don't want our children to grow up and experience some of the same difficulties and some of the same tragic outcomes that we've seen in the lives of other children who had very well-meaning parents who saw the parents just pour their life out. And man, then their child had this tragic outcome and you're like, man, I don't want that. So oftentimes what happens is I think many of us, what we're willing to do is we're willing to spend hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars trying to make sure that our children are participating in all the right activities, all the right sports, all the right extracurricular activities. And our prayer, our prayer is, God, as they're participating in these activities, as they're participating in these sports, that they will learn some of the important life lessons that are absolutely going to build their character that will help them take 
go through life. In other words, we, we pray that they'll learn lessons like if they're going to be on a team, that, hey, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. We would sure love that in our home sometimes, wouldn't we? Like, can we just be a team in this home? Or, or that we sometimes, we learn from losing I don't know what we're learning at FSU about losing, but I just like, maybe it's just becoming a, like, oh my goodness, like, I am so glad I went to bed last night. Anyhow, just saying. But the whole thing is, you know, that hard work is worth it. You know, we want our kids to learn that kind of thing, that sacrifice on the front end has a great payoff on the back end. Or how you prepare, it determines how you perform. You know, we, we know all of those things that we want our kids to learn. And so what we do is we work so hard and we sacrifice so much so that our children grow up and they're prepared to face and deal with the difficulties of life. But the problem for most of us is that while we hope that these opportunities will build character in them and that... It's the kind of character that will carry them through life. Every one of us know that hope is not a strategy, is not a great strategy for raising kids. And so one of the things that we tend to do is then we try to find other things or other people that we can put in our life. And so we kind of start outsourcing some of the parenting to schools or some teams or maybe some church group. And, and all of that is also hoping that those things or those people involved in our lives or in our children's lives will help them turn out well as to be wise, mature young adults. Because the reality is, folks, we're not raising children when we raise our children and they're born in this world. We receive them as a gift from God, and then we are to raise them and release them as adults. So I've always had a great mentor tell me, they said, listen, when you look at your children, understand you're not raising a child, you are raising an adult. And that's kind of a scary thing when you think about that even. It's like, wow. And so we hope that all these things will help. But the problem is we've all seen way too many parents who did all of these same things that we're doing only have, as we said, only have their children kind of just wreck their lives. We're like, where's the hope? So the questions that we kind of want to answer over the next two weeks is this. Since there's not a specific script that comes with raising our children, and since Hope alone is not a great strategy for raising children. What can we personally do as a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt or an uncle, or as someone who is influencing children in some way, how can we personally prepare them so that those children will grow up to be mature and wise adults? Now, I think one of the greatest gifts that my wife and I ever received was I had a pastor mentor friend by the name of Terry Van Gilder. He came into my life at a very crucial time. I was, we were young parents. I was a young pastor, and um, Terry was a very wise man. He, had, he pastored the Methodist Church in Bluntstown um, for some years, and it was just a really key season in my life. And he just took me under his wing, and, and he mentored me as a young pastor and a young parent. And one of the best advice that I think Melody and I received from him was he said, while there's not this script to raise your children... He said, there are always principles for life, and there are always paths to apply to your life, and the same thing is true for parenting, that if you'll apply certain principles and you'll apply certain paths, then what can end up happening is your children will have the greatest chance for a great outcome in their life. 
So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you several of those principles that Melody and I leaned into. And then next week what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a path that we took in order to try to help raise our children to be wise, mature, Christ-honoring adults. And let me just go ahead and say this. Um, you know, during this whole process of doing that, we just kept a legal pad on each one of our kids of all the ways that we were screwing them up so that when they have to go to a counselor to get over their parents, they just have the list and said, here's what our parents did to us. Here's how they got it wrong. So just so you know, I mean, I'm not telling you this because we were perfect parents. Um, all of our kids have gone to see a, a counselor from time to time just to say, how do we deal with our dad? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Their mom's perfect, but their dad's a, another situation. But, but the reality is this, what we're going to talk about this week and then what we're going to talk about next week, I really think is going to help us understand how to live out some principles because here's the thing, as a parent, and if you can hear my heart on anything, um, as a parent, don't guard or don't judge yourself, engage yourself based upon how you feel at the end of the day when it comes to parenting. Don't do that. Because you will feel like a disaster at parenting. You'll feel like a failure at parenting most every day. So in other words, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this week and next week how to live out some principles and some paths so that at the end of the day, you can look back and say, did I apply certain principles and did we take certain paths? Because here's the thing, you know this. When you take a path, when you get on a road and you're going to go somewhere, you don't hit the destination the moment you get on the road. And I think that was encouraging to me as a parent is to understand that my kids are not going to have the exact outcome that I want them to have to be wise, mature adults until they get to that adult stage. So it is a path that we're taking our, our children on. So the problem, the problem most of us has is we judge ourselves at the end of every day or at the end of every week, and we just feel really bad about ourselves. And so my conversation with you is really just to say, hey, here is a way that maybe if you lean into these principles as a parent, you'll feel more encouraged in your spirit and you understand there is a process that if you take that process, man, it has a, a, just a really great possibility for great outcomes. So here's the first principle that I want to share with you. And I, I really think it's the principle that is the foundation for all other principles of parenting. In fact, here is the principle. Let's lay this out as the foundation for all of our conversation for these two weeks. And that is this. God's plan for parenting is about training the heart. Don't miss that. God's plan for parenting, it's all about training the heart. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lives, he tells us why this is such an important principle in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, and if you're taking notes, make sure you underline this line. For everything you do flows from it. So, so don't miss what Solomon's saying. He's saying everything you do flows from your heart. Literally, there is no action that you'll take. There is no decision that you make that is not guided by your heart. So God's plan for parenting is about making sure that you're training the heart because the heart ends up guiding those values and those ethics that we put in our heart. They end up guiding every decision, every action, every reaction in our life. And this is so countercultural because in the 21st century, what happens is we are not taught as parents to train the heart of our children. What, what we are kind of taught 
um, just subconsciously in our culture and maybe even a little bit of peer pressure in our culture. We're kind of taught that, hey, if our children get the right education and then we make sure that our children get all the right experiences, that somehow or another we are training them in the way that they need to be trained or we're laying the foundation for them in the foundation that they need. But whenever you look at Scripture, training the heart is a completely different process than what most of us take or what our culture specifically takes when it comes to raising our children. In fact, let me just say this, and this is so important for you to understand. Education and experiences, if they're not managed well, they can be enemies to training the heart of the next generation. Don't miss that. Education and experiences. Melody and I learned this pretty early on when our kids started getting into middle school age and they started getting involved in all these extracurricular activities and all those things. We began to understand that education and experiences, if they're not managed really well, then they become enemies of training the heart of the next generation. So the question then is, how do you train the heart of your children? Well, as we're going to see, especially next week, it has everything to do, and don't miss this, parents, it has everything to do with pace of life. See, to train the heart of your child, you have to manage the pace of your life today so that you can make priority the training of the heart of your child tomorrow. So training the heart is really about making sure that we have the time and we have the space, and we're going to talk about how to do that next week, to train the right virtues and the right values from God's Word so that they are written on the hearts of our children. So training the heart of the children, you could say it this way, it's like constantly training essential biblical principles and ethics so that your child, as they move from phase to phase to phase of their life, they are being guided by the principles of God's word that have been written on their heart, not the rules that you have made, not the standards that you have created. But these God-honoring principles and values that every one of us need on our hearts because everything we do, it flows from our heart. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about four of those essentials that I think we need to impress on the hearts of our children. There are four essentials that if we want them to grow into men and women of faith and character, these four essentials are absolutely foundational for what you need to be leaning into. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. We find these core essentials, they're located in a single verse in the writing of Luke. In fact, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's called the book of Luke. It's, the, it's in the New Testament. It's one of the, what we call one of the Gospels. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. So if you want to follow along and look at this verse, I would encourage you as a parent, make sure you highlight this verse. Make sure you write this verse down somewhere so it keeps reminding you these are the things that are core foundational for our children if we're going to train their heart. Now, here's what's interesting about this one verse. Don't miss this. This is so powerful. This one verse, it describes the personal development process of Jesus' life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. This one verse, it describes the development process of Jesus' life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. Think about it. We get one verse for 18 years of development. 
all of Jesus' childhood from 12 years of age, all of his teenage years, his young adult years, they are all stated in one verse. So in my mind, if that one verse contains everything that was about Jesus' development, then that verse is pretty important for us to know and for us to focus on as parents. And it really helps us to know what we need and just really boils it down to the irreducible minimums of what we need to impress on the hearts of our children if we are going to raise children who have a faith of their own whenever they become adults. In fact, here's what Luke writes. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus grew... In wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. Now, let me just help you understand how big a deal we think this verse is. Not only Melody and I thought it was, but we think as a church for the outcome of the next generation. In fact, here at RCC, if you allow us to partner with you by, um, as a parent, by allowing your children or your students to be in Wombaland and Upstreet and Transit and Inside Out. And I always tell people, hey, you know, please don't bring your, stu- you know, your little children in our services um, because, not because we don't love them, we love them. And I understand sometimes they feel bad and you have to have them with you, those kind of things. But in general, what happens is we create this, adult, this environment for young adults like middle school, high school, and, um, you know, adults uh, older than high school. And if you take a child that's like supposed to be in Wombaland age, that's a preschool age or upstreet age, and you put them in this environment, they're going to start hating church. It, and I, I just promise you, I mean, like your children are going to love Wombaland and upstreet on Sunday mornings. And, and here's the thing you need to understand. This is the core verse for what we work to impress upon your children and your students' hearts. Don't miss that. This is the core verse for what we work as a church to partner with you to impress upon your students and your children's heart. In fact, even in Wombaland, which is babies through pre-K right now, our team, they are there serving, not babysitting this morning so that you can attend this church. No, they are partnering with you to impress in age-appropriate ways these values or values that are based upon these four principles into the life of your children. In fact, that's what's going on in Wombaland and Upstreet right now. Right now, as I'm speaking, there is a trusted adult that is sitting in a small group with your child, impressing some of these principles that we're going to be sharing with you into the life of your children as well. So as you check your children out today, I would just encourage you, thank those people who serve every Sunday in Wombaland and those people who serve every Sunday in Upstreet and those people who serve every Sunday in Cared Care. I mean, if, they, if, if it's appropriate, you know, turn your face and give them a hug or give them a pat or something, you know, um, because they're partnering with you as a parent every week. So Luke says that Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with man. So Jesus was developed in these four areas. So we think they're very important for us as parents to work on as well. So what does that look like for us in the 21st century? Well, let's look at these four principles to impress upon your child's heart. So the first area that Jesus grew in was the area of wisdom. Now, you're going to want to take some notes here because there's some really a lot of stuff we're going to cover through these four points. See, when you think about wisdom, most of us, we think about education. But when you think about wisdom, it's not just referring to education or experiences. It doesn't mean that Jesus went to this school and he developed intellectually well as he grew older. 
No, Scripture says something very different about wisdom. Wisdom is something much deeper than just intellectual knowledge. In fact, you might want to write down this definition of wisdom. Here's our definition of wisdom. It is the ability to choose correctly and follow the best path of action. Don't miss that. Wisdom is the ability to choose correctly and follow the best path of action. Think about it this way, parents. Our children, grandparents, <laughs> you know this, um, our children, they come into this world foolish, not because they're bad, but because they are not born with the natural ability to choose correctly and to follow the best plan of action. So that means that wisdom and character development is not just about giving them more knowledge and giving them more experiences. No, it means that it's going beyond that, and it's helping them understand that, hey, here are some tools for how to interpret life in a wise way, but it's even going beyond that, and it's like placing them in this classroom or this lab with you where, where they can experiment with life, where they can make mistakes in life, but it is all done, and they can even make small wrong decisions in life, but it's all done under the trusted eye or under the eye of a trusted adult, some adult who is going to have the ability that when they mess up in a small way, because here's what you want to understand, parents. You want your children to make small mistakes, and you want them to make wrong decisions when they are four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine versus when they are in their late teens and their early adult years. Because those kind of decisions will not create a train wreck for their life. What they do is when your children make mistakes, do wrong things, or make wrong decisions, it gives you the ability to train the heart of your children. And what most of us we try to do is we try to so corral our children so they don't make any mistakes and do anything wrong that what happens is they are never trained in their heart because they never know how to choose wisely because we so we become such a lawnmower parent or you know such a helicopter parent that man we never give them opportunities to fail at anything or to make a mistake or make a wrong decision and as I'm telling you it's so much better for them to make small mistakes or wrong decisions and train them then how to choose correctly or follow the best path of action than for them to get to their late teenage years or young adult years and not know how to do that. So we, we, we have to begin to train the heart to help them choose correctly and follow the best path of action. So you say, well, how do we do that in the, in the pace of our life? Well, here's the thing. We can't simply just teach this. We, and I say we as parents, here's the thing. We have to model this. We have to model this as well. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, where he says, Therefore, be careful how you live, not as unwise men, but as wise. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, you really need to be careful how you live. Or to turn it around, he goes, don't be careless with how you live. So what that means is, you teach your children to be wise in their relationships, to be wise in their marriage, to be wise in their business, to be wise in their morality, to be wise in handling conflict. And how do you primarily teach them to be wise? By modeling this in your own life. He says, be careful because you can't be careless and end up with good outcomes for your children. 
In fact, here, here's kind of how we get careless with, uh, if this, with this thing of wisdom if we're not careful. And, te- and we teach our children to be careless without really meaning to. So what we do as adults is we ask the wrong question. See, the question we need to ask is not, is there anything wrong with it? Which is a question that most of us ask. You know, we ask the question, well, is it legal or is it moral or is it right or is it wrong? No, the question we need to begin to ask our and if we're going to teach our children wisdom, it is this. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? This needs to be the question that every time your child needs to make a decision, every time you need to make a decision, you need to be asking yourself, what's the wise thing to do? So the principle to model here is to ask, what's the wise thing to do? Listen, parents, if we raise our kids and we release them into adulthood without the ability to gain wisdom by asking this question, if their life is not anchored to this wisdom question, then here's the thing. We set up our children for disastrous results in their life. So so the first essential to impress upon your child is to model wisdom for your child. Now, the second area that Jesus grew in was stature. We're going to go through these others a little bit quicker. And stature is all about measuring up. See, we want our children, we we want them to measure up in ability. We want them to measure up in reputation. We want them to measure up in achievement. But please understand that stature means more than that. Here is what stature means. This is our definition. It's the ability to discern my greater life purpose as I physically mature. In fact, it's so important that our children understand that God has a grander plan for their life that they're living for something much greater than tomorrow. In fact, here's how important this is. This is how the Apostle Paul says it. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. See, God has a plan for every person that is born in this world. And the Apostle Paul is saying God had a race for him. He had a task for him. God has a race for your child. He has a task for them. And the greatest gift that you can give your child is to understand that God has a plan for their life and then help them mature by using wisdom to measure up to be able to handle that plan. To help them understand that God has a plan. Here's the thing. You got to just help them understand you can't live for today, child. You got to live for something much bigger than today. If you're going to help your children understand that God has a grander plan for them, their life, then you have to help them understand that life is not about immediate gratification. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, parents, in 21st century America, we as parents, we're not really good at this. Because what do we do? If we want something, we buy it, right? We, we get it for ourselves. In fact, our ch- my children often tell me, like, Dad, we never know what to get you for Father's Day or birthday. Because if you want something, what do you do? You go buy it. And sometimes as parents, we do that kind of thing because we're like, well, they can't afford to buy what I want level kind of buy of the tool or the, you know what I'm saying? Um, But here's the thing. When we as parents, we have to really be careful about this because when we as parents, when we just live for getting what we want today, we kind of fall in that mode. What we do is we end up without realizing it. We teach our children to live for today. I really think that a lot of times the reason children and students um, only live for today is because as parents, we haven't helped them understand that there's a God-sized dream for their life about tomorrow. 
See, when our children start growing up to know that they exist to make a difference in their life, I'm telling you, it helps them to focus on their future so they don't get distracted by life. I get emotional about that because there were defining moments in the life of all three of our children where they begin to realize that God, as, as we tried to teach them that, they begin to realize God had a bigger plan for their life. And I'll never forget my son. He was going to school um, to be, he wanted to be a lawyer from the time he was 14 on. He wanted to be a lawyer. He thought, so what do you want to be? And then, then he goes and he starts thinking about mission trips. He goes on a mission trip. He does that kind of thing. And he comes back one day and he goes, Dad, I'm not going to be a, a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm like, How, how's that? And he said, well, I just feel like if I went to a third world country as a lawyer, there's not a whole lot I could do for people, but I can sure do a whole lot more for people as a doctor. And so we had to start school all over. And, you know, I'm like, if we believe that God has a race that he wants him to complete, then we get behind that as a parent. So part of the, the whole plan that God has for your children's life is helping them discover that God has a plan so that they start making life decisions and career decisions going, hey, there's a race for me. There's a plan for me. And, and, and it's about serving other people, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. So, so the principle that you have to impress on the life of your children is this. I can trust God no matter what. You got to help your children to grow in stature to helping them trust God that no matter what's going on around them, that God still has a plan and a purpose for me, that God is going to fulfill that plan through me. And there's no friend that they have in school. There's no person in their life. There's no boss person that they have in their life. There's nothing that can keep them from fulfilling that plan that God has for their life if they follow God's plan. And so I just want to challenge you as parents and this is something that Melody and I really tried to lean into our, with our children. And I think we did an okay job. I, I look back and go, man, we could have done so much better in inspiring them to understand there's a grander plan for your life because that gives your life meaning and purpose. And then there's a third thing that we need to help our children grow in, a principle to impress in their life, and that is favor with man. And, and favor with man is, this is our definition. It's the ability to treat others the way I want to be treated. And parents, I'm telling you, this one is one of the ones that, just like the wisdom principle, we need to be asking every time we need to make a decision as a family, what's the wise thing to do? As a parent, we have to model this one as well, favor with man. In fact, here's the verse that I think the Apostle Paul just encapsulates this truth, and we find it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now, here's why this is important. As an adult, you know, and if you don't know this as an adult, man, this might just be life-changing for you. But here's the thing. How you treat other people determines how far you really go in life. I mean, if you treat people well, you will accomplish so much more and go so much further than life than if you just have a lot of degrees on the wall and you don't know how to treat other people well. So the principle that we have to impress upon our, our children's heart when it comes to favor with man is to think others first. See, we have to train our children to develop that habit of I'm naturally thinking others first. And, and we, we know that's so hard for our children. I mean, you've got two or three children in your home and there's toys that they want to play with. That's not natural. It's just not natural. In fact, I, I think all of us understand the importance of this and we would agree with a person who said it this way. No one who is selfish has ever been considered a success in life no matter what they've achieved or what fortune they have amassed. Now, as I said, it, this doesn't come natural. 
In fact, parents, one of the things I think we have to work on to keep in check even more to model this of thinking others first is like when you go to that restaurant and you're paying for your meal, but you grumble because you're not getting the kind of service that you get, you, you think you deserve to get, and you sit there in the table and you grumble in front of your children and you go, well, we, we're paying for this. We deserve better treatment than that. Or we come home and we grumble because we don't feel like we are getting treated the way we deserve to be treated at work. Or we grumble in front of our children about how our spouse is not loving us or treating us the way that we feel like we deserve to be treated. Listen, parents, when you do that, you're teaching your children to think selfish versus others first, versus if our conversation is more about, here's how, well, maybe that waitress is having a really bad day, or, you know, here's maybe a way that I can serve that person I'm struggling with at work, or maybe here's, you know, just changing it to be other focused, because see, our natural entitlement thinking patterns, I mean, it's just a real preoccupation in our world, especially right now, which causes all of us to tend to naturally just fall into default to see ourselves as more important than others. And here's the thing, our children hear that, or I should say they watch it, and more importantly, they hear it. Because see, here's the thing, every one of us, we, we can think of that selfish, that spoiled, that entitled child, can't we? we? We can all think of that child. But here's what I know, more often than not, somewhere in that child's life, is a selfish, spoiled, entitled adult that they're learning it from. And what the Apostle Paul says, if you ever really want to succeed in life, if you want your children to succeed in the future, you have to have an attitude that places a greater value on others than yourself. It is why for years, Melody and I, we, we tried to make sure we went the extra mile to make sure that we were taking advantage of serving opportunities. It's, I tell parents all the time, listen, you should serve in our church if for no other reason to teach your children how to live this out to be others first. When you come to church and you just sit in a row and you look at the back of heads and you stand sometimes and you sing some songs or you listen to somebody teach, but you never engage in serving at church or you never engage consistently at serving in a nonprofit in our community or you never engage in consistently serving on a weekly basis, teaching your children that life is about serving, don't expect your children to grow up with a servant's heart. We have to model this. So Jesus, he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with man by thinking others first. I mean, the Apostle Paul said, listen, this, he was the ultimate model of this in Philippians there. And then lastly, but most important, he grew in favor with God. And Because here's the thing, even though this is last on the list, it's the most important, and here's why. Look at how we define it. It's the ability to live out your own personal faith. See, I think the reason that so many students and young adults, they fall away from God and their faith whenever they go to college or they leave home is because they never really own their faith. It was their mom's faith or it was their dad's faith, but they never owned their faith. And I watch us as parents. I was the world's worst at this because I'm a pastor, you know what I mean? And it's like, I want my kids to, you know, fit in certain lines and live certain ways. And I wanted their faith. And I, and, and I had a, another mentor in my life. He just kind of tapped me on the shoulder one day and he said, listen, your children's pathway to connect with God 
And when we talk about pathway to connect with God, we don't mean their salvation pathway. There's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. But he said their pathway, how they're going to connect with God once they have a relationship with God is going to be different. He said, just like your love language is different than your wife's love language, your child's love language with God is going to be a different love language than your love language with God. And so their faith model is not going to look like your model. Let them lean into Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad that we did. Because their faith model doesn't look anything like mine. But I know if I had not had that defining moment, I probably would have driven my children away from God and the church. See, we have to model what it looks like to have a dynamic faith. We've got to do that. And we can't make it the church's responsibility. I still think there are way too many parents that see it as the church's responsibility to install, instill in the life of their children God's, their faith in God. And while we as a church, we can partner with you on this and we work really hard to do that, parents, you are the primary influencer. God de designed you and created you to be the spiritual leader of your child. And we as a church, we have the ability to consistently influence your child on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis, depending on how often you have your children, for about an hour to a week. But what that means is this, what you model at home when it comes to faith I'm telling you, folks, it's going to impact your children in a much bigger way than what you ever imagined. And so if they are not watching you model this, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard for them to understand how does mom own her faith and how does dad own his faith and grandparents. Let me tell you something. Looking back and hearing the stories of my children. I am so grateful for my wife's parents and for my parents. Because as our children have gotten older, they have told us story after story of how grandma said something or grandpa said something or granddaddy said something. And it changed their faith dynamic. And I'm just telling you, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you don't understand the impact that you can have in your grandchildren's lives by coming alongside parents and helping them in the season. It's, it's why one of the things we've also done for you as parents, if you don't have those grandparents or those other people in your life, is we've created, uh, we have made available this thing called the Parent Q app. If you don't have it, man, you need to make sure you download it because we want to help you influence your children so they'll have a faith of their own. But you'll get weekly stuff from that Parent Q app so that you will be able to... Um, know what need to be, needs to be spoken in your child's life in certain phases. You put in their age and you get weekly things on, hey, here's what needs to be spoken in their life. Here's what they're going through. Here's how they're processing. Here's how they're thinking. So if you don't have the Parent Q app on your phone, make sure you let us know on that Connect card and we'll let you know how that you can receive it. It's no cost to you. It's just another way that we can partner you. But I'm just telling you, the best way that your children can own their own personal faith is when they see a personal faith being modeled by their parent. Even if you're a single parent, let them see it. But don't try to shape your children into your mold of how they love Jesus and how Jesus, you know, how they interact with Jesus. I think it's why Joshua told the nation of Israel, he says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me, and if you're taking notes as a parent, you need to circle this word me right here. Because he says, as for me, and then my house, 
We're going to serve the Lord. That means as a parent, you have to wake up one day and you got to say, I am the primary spiritual influencer. I am the primary spiritual leader of my home. I am the model. I mean, you have to do life in such a way that your children have no question who you are serving. I mean, they, they have to look at you and parents, I mean, they're like, they, they got to know that your model and your mantra is, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I mean, it's that whole thing of, hey, there's God up here. There is God up here. And then way down here, there are all these extracurricular activities and there's all this education and there's all these experiences. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Make sure that you own that as a parent. So if you want your children to grow up and have a personal faith, make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that all of these other things are a priority. And listen, parents, something that I have discovered that is true after pastoring for like 20-something years, and that is this. And it's, it's pretty much true almost 100% of the time. If you don't make God a priority on Sunday, it's because he's not a priority on Monday through Saturday. And you know what? Your children, they see it. If you don't make God a priority in your, mon your money on Monday through Saturday, then your children are going to see that. If you don't make God a priority with your time and how you serve others, your children are going to see that. See, if you don't make spiritual growth and development a priority in your life, and you're not like in a small group or there's not some discipleship process that you're in, I'm telling you, your children are going to see that. And then one day when you want them to be in a discipleship process, they're not going to own that because they haven't watched it model. So here's the principle that we have to lean in as a parent, and that is follow me as I follow Christ. Parents, you need to do your life in such a way that you can say to your children, as the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, hey, I just want you to imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'm not always going to have the answers, but I'm just going to follow and keep my eyes on Jesus. Listen, parents, you are displaying for your children today how you want them to live tomorrow. That's what you're doing. Most of these principles, wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man, all of those things are being modeled by us. They're watching it. They're watching it close. If you want your children to have the passionate faith, you have to model a passionate faith. So dads, moms, grandparents, aunts, uncles, think about this. You're the role model for how your children treat their future spouse. You're the role model for how your children raise your grandchildren. Think about this, parents. What if your children are taking their cues from you for how they handle money? What about they're taking their cues for you about their worldview, how they deal with conflict, how they love and forgive, how they respond to the call of God in their life? How you respond to this whole issue of spirituality in your life. And the truth is, for better or for worse, you already are their model. So I just want to say to you as a, as a dad, as a parent, who now has my youngest daughter just turned 26. And I can't tell you how important it is for you to be intentional about the kind of model that you are as a parent. Because here's the other thing I'm learning as, as I'm looking and, you know, I'm, I'm 55 now and I'm even realizing, you know, I, I won't see the full implications of what we've modeled for our children. 
But I do know this because I'm not going to live long enough to see my grandchildren become, you know, full adults and their children and that kind of thing. Um, but know this, what you model, it doesn't just speak merely louder than words. I'm telling you, it's something that is carried into the next generation. And that means this, the question that any of us who are impacting or engaging and raising children or influencing children anyway is, we need to ask this, what I'm currently impressing on their hearts, because here's the thing, you are impressing something on your children's heart, whether you impress these four principles or not. There's something you're impressing on their heart. But what I'm currently impressing on the hearts of the next generation, is it worth it? Is this what I want my legacy to be? I'm just telling you folks, training the heart, I mean, the best way that you can create a better future for your, not just your kids, but for your grandkids, for your kids' friends, and the world that they're gonna create, and the generation that follows is gonna be by training the heart. Please, please understand, your children don't come with a script, and there's a reason they don't come with a script, because God wants it to be a relationship. He wants you to lean into the relationship with your children. If he gave us a script, we would never be relational. We would be so much like legalistic. But he gave us some principles. And here's the thing. If we will impress these principles on the hearts of our children, I'm telling you, it's going to help them be able to choose correctly and follow the best path. That's wisdom. It's going to help them to discern their greater life purpose as they physically mature that stature. It's going to give them the ability to treat other people they want to be, the way they want to be treated. That's the whole thing of favor with man. And then most importantly, it's going to help them be able to begin to live out their own personal faith. That's favor with God. So the challenge for every one of you today is, um, what do you need to do differently in the way that you think, in the way that you interact? And next week, we're going to give you kind of a model of how to create a pace for your home. So the impressions that you're making as a parent, as a grandparent, has trained the hearts of the next generation to love Jesus passionately. And I want you to know as parents, um, I pray for you every day. It's a huge task. It's a really big task. And um, I, I want you all to win. It's why we partner with you the way that we do. In fact, uh, it, when you came in today in, the, in our service as a parent, as a grandparent, there was a worship guide. Inside your worship guide, there was a place for you to sign up for some small group, for small groups. And man, I really encourage you, get in a small group. Begin to model what discipleship looks like. Start serving. Be, be, be the model for what you want your children to do because they watch what we do more than what we say. And... Um, I just want you to know that, hey, if there's any way that we can help you as a church in your parenting process, we are here for that. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I know that you love these parents more than I do. And I know that your heart is for them even more than my heart is for them. And God, you created every child that is born into planet Earth with a plan with a purpose. And I just pray that today will be um, just a foundational day for so many of our homes, for so many parents, even grandparents, that even teachers or coaches, that we begin to go, oh, what are the irreducible minimals? Let's look at these four and let's begin making them the foundation for everything when it comes to training the heart. God, I thank you for your incredible love, but more than that, I thank you for your help. I thank you for your help 
through the person of the Holy Spirit that you allow to indwell us. Such a privilege, God, to have you in person in our life so that we can have the strength and that we can lean into you and have the wisdom to know how to help our children make wise choices, to help them to understand that you have a grander plan for their life, to help them move past that selfish vent that we all have to live others first. And then God to just fall passionately in love with you. God, that's our prayer for all of our children. And that's our prayer as parents to you. So we ask for your help in this process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for coming. Don't forget to pick up your kids. We love them, but um, you need to go ahead and get them.